Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Again, it's a pro wrestling podcast by me, Simon Miller. Now, as you can see, we've randomly gone up on a Wednesday again. But look, the plan forward is we're going back to Wednesdays, right? That's what makes the most sense. I know you're going to be out there and listen to land going, Miller, just make up your mind. And you're right. And it's boy who cried wolf syndrome at this point. But people like regularity, people like scheduling... Wednesday makes the best sense because we've seen Raw, we've seen SmackDown also, much like this week. We're building up to a pay-per-view. So let's see what we can do. All I can do is try and prove it to you with my love and with my heart. But it is a very exciting time in pro wrestling. If it's the first time you've listened, thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it. Uh, please do give us five stars on iTunes and subscribe and all that nonsense so you know when the next one goes up. You can follow me on Twitter at Simon316. If you're listening to this right now going, I like listening to this on a podcast device, but I'd rather do it on YouTube. You can head on over to youtube.com forward slash C forward slash the Miller Report rules or just search for the Miller Report in YouTube and you can watch it slash listen to it on there. And finally, uh, all this is supported by patreon.com forward slash Simon316. Please, please, please give this a dollar if you find it entertaining or enjoy it or whatever takes your fancy because it's that kind of uh, power that allows me to keep doing this. And it, it's just wonderful. It's just wonderful, if nothing else. And if you would like to, to drop some, some real cheese, some serious cheese of $20, you can come on the podcast too. And we've got a few of them lined up. Uh, if you are listening to this and you know you're in the queue, make sure you drop me a line so we can sort that out. But it is a very important show. We're doing loads today. We're going to do absolutely loads because we've got Survivor Series this Sunday. So we're going to run down the predictions for that. I think this is the first episode I've done. I hope so anyway, because I'm going to talk about it. But since the whole Jericho Omega thing broke, we'll just talk about it again. It's exciting and there's more to, there's more to go into now. We're going to talk about the WWE India shows. And before we wrap up, it is 20 years since the uh, Montreal screw job. If you are a, uh, a fan of Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast, the Facebook group, and to do that, you just have to search for Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast and join the group. I did ask for some feedback, some opinions, so your team Brett, your team Sean. So we're going to go through some of those, and I will tell you what I think as well. But I do think right now WWE is smashing the world of pro wrestling. I think they are uh, just... Yeah, I, I just think everything that they've, they've, they've really built and they've really got some great momentum going into Survivor Series. And the best thing about it is that they did make changes that I think, by and large, we all wanted to see. Like, no one was really that excited about Brock Lesnar versus Jinder Mahal. So now it's AJ Styles. Charlotte's been put into the women's title match. Uh, we've got a Shield versus the New Day encounter. The bar of the tag champs, they're going against the Usos. It just makes a lot of sense. And while there are a few things you can go like, oh, well, it sucks that, you know, Ambrose and Rollins aren't the, the tag champs anymore because that does add something to the shield. It doesn't matter because the matches we've got on paper are great. I thought Raw and SmackDown were both awesome this week. Not the biggest fan of Stephanie McMahon coming back and just being the Stephanie McMahon from before. I just thought for the sake of, um, well, just being a bit different and having variety and diversity, it would have been more fun if she was actually, you know, I know she's meant to be a heel, but not really. We haven't seen her on TV in ages, so she can come back whoever she likes. I would have just preferred it this time she was a bit more, yeah, Team Raw, awesome, sweet, let's go, let's go, you know, kick all the ass. 
So I, I still find her a bit grating, especially when she does run down Kurt Angle to that degree. I just find that crazy because he's Kurt Angle. Yeah, he's an Olympic gold medalist. He's, he's, he's like a, a same with, exactly the same thing they did with Mick Foley. But he's like a legend of the business, a Hall of Famer, both of them. And yet we just treat them like garbage. And you know they're never going to get the comeuppance. And to me, that's, I just don't understand what that achieves. I don't enjoy it. I don't like seeing it. Uh, while I, I'm not the biggest fan of Kurt Angle's run of general manager, I don't think he's done anything too amazing. You know, I, I wouldn't say it's a natural fit for him. However, the, you know, this was more grating than it's, you know, has been since he came back in April. And that sucks. I just don't want to see it. We've seen it. I don't want to see it again. Didn't mind Triple H coming back. I think Triple H being in that main event, or at least the, 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 the men's uh, two teams going against each other, I mean, it is just better than Jason Jordan. The Jason Jordan experiment isn't working anyway, and Triple H just does have more star power, whether you like it or not. So I've got no problem with that, and I've got no problem with him storming to the ring and, you know, do, doing his thing because we don't know where that's going, whereas the Stephanie McMahon thing, we probably do. And I could be wrong. In a few weeks' time, I could easily look back and go, oh, no, that was <laughs> same old Triple H nonsense. It, the, the funny thing about Triple H is he is simultaneously able to be the biggest heel and the biggest face on the roster which I find hilarious. But I guess that what, that's what comes with the territory because you want to see him. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, he's meant to be a bad guy. It is hilarious. But I did like Raw from, from top to bottom, really. I thought everything they did worked. You know, it built a Survivor Series wonderfully. I really don't know who's going to win that match, which we'll get to in a second. We'll do the predictions. And it was the same with SmackDown. I like the constant teases between Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. I like that Baron Corbin got his clean win over Sin Cara so he can build to his match with The Miz. Um, I'm trying to think what else happened now. But it was just, you know, it was just a lot of everything they did made sense. Like the Finn Balor Samoa Joe stuff. Now, on paper, that is a bit dumb because in a in a match that's got all these, uh, you know, um, well, it's got so much fallout from it and, you know, Kurt Angle could lose his job. Why on earth would you get two people that are butting heads? With that said, you know, they tried to, to prove on Raw, yeah, but look, they can work together and they had a tag team match and, you know, there was even kind of a meta story there where Finn Balor was doing all the work and Samoa Joe just did what he had to do. And you got Braun Strowman coming around just throwing fools all over the place. I mean, that's how SmackDown ended this week. Um, you had the big Raw Revenge uh, attack. And it was done really, really well. Like, it finished with the Shield and Kurt Angle just obliterating Shane and, you know, leaving him lying in the ring. It was. I just think the last few weeks building up to this pay-per-view, they've made a lot of big changes, but every change to me has been the right one. Like the Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman from on Raw got me excited about the Styles match. And then the Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles retort on SmackDown got me excited about their match. They're not even doing that much. But it's the fact that on paper, these are things that we want to see. So all you've got to do is poke the bear just a little bit. Just rub its shoulders, get it all excited. So I think everything on this card. And obviously on SmackDown as well, we had Charlotte beat uh, Natalia for the women's title which you may think is crazy six days or five days before a show, but it was the right thing to do for many reasons. Because one, Charlotte versus Alexa Bliss on paper is just better. Two, they were in Charlotte's hometown. There was a big moment with Ric Flair, which was genuinely awesome. It's one of the big feel-good moments um, that WWE's done in ages, to the point where it makes you think to yourself, why don't they do this more often, especially when they're in a wrestler's hometown? So you should definitely go out of your way uh, your way to see that. And also, it means we've got a fifth member now missing from the women's team SmackDown team. I keep saying that. The women's team SmackDown team. The women's SmackDown team would be fine, idiot. I mean, you'd have to imagine it was Paige. The rumor is Paige was meant to be added to the Raw team. She got herself in trouble straight away by tweeting out a picture of her with uh, Alicia Fox, which gave away the surprise. So now it looks like 
she's going to be filling the SmackDown one because they didn't announce who's going to be there. But what they did announce was, well, I think they did anyway. I mean, sometimes I miss stuff, but it certainly seemed to me that you lived your life, and I'm joking, that they, it's not Natalia. She's not the person that's going to uh, to go be in the match. Well, again, that's what I took away from it. Maybe I, maybe I made that up, I don't know. But that means they need someone. And maybe it does turn out to be Natalia, and you're like, okay, whatever. But I imagine it will be Paige. How that works, I don't know. But again, a surprise. A surprise, a nice little you know thing to, to get excited about. Because it's always nice sometimes to be surprised. So all in all, just a great week. Just a great week. And had Triple H coming back. I know we just touched on that, but that's a big return as well. And it did well, Raw, this week. I haven't seen the SmackDown numbers yet, but Raw did well. It did 3 million viewers overall. It was up from last week. Third hour still dropped, but I think that's always going to be the way, just because who can watch three hours of anything? But yeah, it was, uh, it was top stuff, this. I really did think that WWE has proven that when they put their minds to things, they really do know what they're doing. I've loved it. Right, let's get into the... I'm sure I've forgotten some stuff there as well, but we'll touch on it as we go through the Survivor Series predictions. Make sure, again, if you want to be involved in the Predictions League, you go to uh, the Facebook group, Simon's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Mitch is sorting it out. Mitch is a busy boy at the moment, so he's going to do what he can. But look, it's just a bit of fun. It's just a laugh. So let's, let's not overly, overly worry about it or think about it or anything like that. So yeah, don't get mad at Mitch. Mitch is doing what he can, and we appreciate, we appreciate Mitch for all the, uh, the efforts he puts in. But yes... It does seem that Callisto versus Enzo Amore has been moved to the pre-show. Not that surprised. Let's face it, when push comes to shove, WWE doesn't really put that much stock into the Cruiserweight title, which they should. I mean, you should tune into 205 Live and it should be people flying around the place, but it's not. However, on the subject of the Cruiserweights, apparently Neville is in back in the good graces with WWE. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. I'd imagine if he has made amends, it means he's coming back to the main roster. And that's good. That's what we want to see. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with this. But anyway, Enzo versus Callisto. I don't know. The feud is, it's okay. I it's not awful. I mean, it's, it is what it is. It's just 205 Live in general. I struggle to care because I don't feel like WWE cares. So how can I buy in when they're not? I mean, and everything we've done over the last few weeks, like we had Callisto's birthday party uh, on 205 Live, which I've actually realized I forgot to look up to see what happens. I knew that was the big thing that Callisto was going to have his birthday party. And I assume someone got their cake their cake pushed into a face. Flip that. Their face pushed into a cake. I'm just looking it up now. Where is it? Where is the, um, where is the birthday party rundown? I'd, um, uh, do, 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 do. That's what you want to hear. Uh, Amore's faction. All right, so Enze Amore now has a faction. It's called the Zoe Train. Oh, dear. <laughs> Oh, dear. And apparently, Callisto just hyped up his birthday throughout the night. I mean, 205 Live is a strange... It's a strange, strange thing. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, that, so we've got that going on. I'm just reading through it now. It just seemed like... I mean, this is just from the Wrestling Observer I'm reading it for. Amore entered for the birthday party. The crowd chanted Enzo, and he told them thanks. He already knows his name. Amore said he spent a great deal of money on this party to truly celebrate Callisto. Amore mentioned that they got him a great gift, a beating from Gulak, who asked, how are you doing, before Amore told him to never do that again. Amore said the cake is quality, it'll be good until Thanksgiving if you freeze it at the right temperature, and Callisto can eat it as he lives in misery after he loses at Survivor Series. And surprise, surprise, Callisto rammed Amore's face into the cake. As we thought, again, it's just underwhelming, really, but I don't 
given how much they're now building the show around Enzo, I can't believe he's going to lose the title. So I'm going to presume that he holds, um, he holds on to it. I don't mind either way, really. Whatever they decide to do is good with me. But yeah, I mean, my prediction here is be that Enzo holds on to it and then they just move on to somebody else. I mean, if he's got the Zoe train now, I'm sure you can do tag team matches for a while. But anyway, I'm going to go Enzo. Then we've got The Miz versus Baron Corbin, which also was confirmed. We had The Miz on Raw running down Baron Corbin and saying, you know, you're a piece of crap and he's going to come beat your, beat your ass. And then on SmackDown, Baron Corbin made a terrible use of the word end of days to work into how he was going to beat The Miz and it made me want to cry. The problem with all these champion versus champion matches is they're not title versus title matches. That's what you want. You want the titles to be on the line because then there would be a sense of intrigue here. But the fact that they're not is that anyone can really win or lose, and it doesn't matter. It all depends. I mean, what will happen is, I mean, Enzo versus Callisto doesn't count, really. But, I mean, so, you know, the Miz versus Baron Corbin, the Bar versus the Usos, the Shield versus the New Day, Alexa Bliss versus Charlotte, and Brock versus AJ. Well, that's one, two, three, four, five. So that does work out perfectly, does it? What I mean is, I mean, I assume we go into the final match between Team Raw and Team SmackDown. I've got the women's match as well, of course. So my point being is that when we get to uh, the, the, the men's match, which I presume will be the main event, it will be all tied up. So that's one, two, three, four, five. So six matches. So Raw will one, SmackDown will one, Raw will win, SmackDown will one. I would assume so anyway, unless there's a whitewash. And then if but the problem with doing a whitewash, if SmackDown win all the other matches, you know Raw's winning that match. So that's the problem. But I presume that's what they'll do. And the Miz versus Baron Corbin to me doesn't make a difference. The Miz wins... Both those characters go on regardless, and it's the same the other way around. I don't necessarily think there's anything to actually win or lose here other than a, a fake a fake pinfall. So I'm just going through the other matches now to try and figure out who I think is going to win what. I'd imagine, I'd imagine they give Baron Corbin the win here because they do want to push Baron Corbin. Even though he did get in their bad books, he's clearly one of their projects. He hasn't screwed himself over that badly. And the Miz is like Teflon these days. The Miz can do whatever he wants, and it's not really going to make too much of a difference, I don't think, anyway. He's just going to be The Miz, and he's done that by being very successful at you know, being The Miz. So I'm going to presume that The Miz loses and Baron Corbin wins, and then Baron Corbin can use that momentum to go forward and hopefully, you know, become a bigger star, which is what they want. I still got a long way to go. I think he had more momentum about a year ago. Or maybe it's just because we've come a year and he hasn't progressed that much. But yeah, this is a throwaway match to me. But it's still okay. It's still interesting. Uh, the Bar versus the Usos, I think, will be really good. The Usos seem to be able to work with anybody. Sheamus and Cesaro are obviously very good. Cesaro especially. In terms of who wins, I don't know. It all depends on where we go after this with each of them. I mean, the Usos are probably going to go into a proper feud with Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin. The bar, I guess, would go back to feuding with the Shield. And maybe Roman goes off and does his own thing, although there's still the Shield. I mean, I gave Baron Corbin SmackDown. So I'm going to say the bar wins this. Again, this is the other problem. This match really could go either way. And it doesn't really make too much of a difference. I mean, maybe we get a double count now or some DQs along the way as well. But I think a lot of I think that the real only problem with Survivor Series is there's three matches that feel like they actually carry weight. Maybe even two matches, depending on how you feel about Team Raw versus Team SmackDown on the women's side. But Brock versus AJ and the men's Raw match seems to have more gravitas, or at least has more of the story plugged into it. As you'd imagine, it's only right in the main events. But it does kind of mean the rest of it can be throwaway, and that's not necessarily a problem. But I will go the Usos, uh, sorry, the bar, just because, I mean, just because I think probably in terms of how Vince McMahon sees it, he thinks the Raw tag titles are more important than the SmackDown titles. As silly as that is, because they should be as important as each other. 
But it also ties in, or maybe it doesn't tie into the Shield versus the New Day. I can't believe they're going to let the Shield lose. I just can't. They can't lose in their second match back. And I really think you're shortchanging the fans if you do do a DQ or a double counter here. You you know, you've basically got two of the three, the two of the biggest three men groups. You could argue ever. I mean, the New Day have been going a long time now. They're very popular. They've broken tag team records. They sell loads of merchandise. So I think it's only fair to say that. And obviously, the Shield have got their own legacy now as it is. But I just don't think you can bring back the Shield, have them win one match on Raw against The Miz and The Bar, which they did this past week, and then lose to The New Day. Whereas The New Day, again, they're almost like The Miz because they've been going so long and because they are such a good unit and because they are protected by their popularity. That's the wrong word, but their longevity. So I think The Shield, I've got to keep a tally of this. I'm going to give it to The Shield, which at the moment I've gone, so that must mean we're Raw 2 and SmackDown 1. I try and keep, I try and keep this up as I go. But, that, but I, I do think all three will be good matches. I mean, not necessarily The Miz versus Baron Corbin, but I think The Shield versus The New Day especially has the potential to steal the show just because all those guys are so good and also all those guys aren't... They don't seem precious to me. So I imagine they're going to be willing to do whatever for the other guys as long as it means they have a really good match. But I go with The Shield. Alexa Bliss versus Charlotte, I am very pleased with the new match because it's just Alexa Bliss versus Natalia and you've got heel versus heel. And no offense to Natalia, but she's not the most over heel in the world. Is just better. It's just a better match. It gets me more excited. And I think you can do more. You can do you can do more with it. I mean, <laughs> but actually, this does work out. This does work out because I think Charlotte wins this. I think Charlotte's just won the title in her hometown. She's got momentum. For the first time, I think since she turned face, she actually has some sympathy and uh, you know, people are getting behind her. There's no point having her lose here, especially because I think the plan for WrestleMania is going to be Charlotte versus Oscar if the uh, Ronda Rousey stuff doesn't come together or they do something different with Ronda Rousey. So you want to keep Charlotte strong. And Alexa Bliss can lose, right? She's the arrogant heel. That's, that, that's her whole point. She still retains her title. She can still ram that down whoever she then goes on to feud with next on Raw. And it helps my theory because now we're two for two. We're, we're two for SmackDown and two for Raw. So I'm smashing it right now. But that's what I think. I think they can have a good match as well. I think Charlotte is, you know, she comes on leaps and bounds every, every week. She's definitely the star of the women's division. No question about it. No question about it. So, yeah, we'll see what they do. But that's what I would do. I'd have Charlotte win, and I think it'll be a good match. And once more, now we're 2-2, Simon, you, you hound dog. We'll do the women's Raw and the women's SmackDown match and Brock and AJ kind of one big... Because basically... Well, I guess the, the Team SmackDown women will win because I don't believe in any universe that AJ Styles is going to be allowed to beat Brock Lesnar as much as I'd like to see it and think it would be awesome. I think they have a great match. I think Brock Lesnar is going to win. And that kind of makes sense for the team. Because, I mean, if, if Paige is going to be the, the secret entrant for Team SmackDown, you don't really want her to lose. I mean, it depends on what our reputation backstage is at the moment. But to have someone come back that does have legacy and people remember and is somewhat of a star and they just get beat you're like well that was a waste and i don't see the point in that so i would imagine that team smackdown beats team raw on the women's side then brock beats aj and then we're three for three that would be my gut feeling with all of this and again i mean the, the team raw women is there more solidarity solid, solid, i can't talk solidarity on the smackdown side i mean maybe not and you'd have nia jacks on team raw so that's gonna be i mean they don't really treat her strong anyway do they? she gets jobbed out all the time I would say that. I'd say Paige comes back and, yeah, she, it, it just makes sense as well. 
Because basically, I think that... Maybe I don't think team... You know, I don't know. My, this is a really hard show to predict, but I think that's why it's so good. Because you'd imagine they'd want to put Team Raw over Team Smack... Actually, no, Team Raw will beat Team Smack, then I take it back, because we'll get to that in a sec. Brock versus AJ. Love the fact they switched this over uh, from Jinder Mahal. It kind of sucks that Jinder Mahal isn't on the show at all. Like He's not in Team SmackDown on the men's side, is he? I don't think he is. So that... I mean, that's a bit unfair. <laughs> it's kind of been thrown by the wayside completely. But as you know, I do think, regardless what they do with him now, I don't think even Jinder Mahal ever thought he'd be in the position he is in now. So even if this is the end of his run, he never really gets it back, and I think he probably will. But still, even if he doesn't, I think he's he's had six months where he probably never even imagined. So I think that's nice within itself. But yeah, Brock Lesnar versus AJ Styles. I mean, it's one of those matches, if we'd brought it up a few years ago, everyone would have laughed you out the building. Be like, How's that ever going to happen? Imagine you brought that up in 2011 before Brock Lesnar brought back. AJ Styles is ripping it up on the indie scenes of TNA. Brock Lesnar's an MMA guy. And you say in a few years' time it's going to be that Survivor Series. People call you nuts. You would get eradicated and insulted online if you even laughed, even if you joked that that was going to be a match that we could see. And here we are. We're going to get it, and it's going to be good. i got a feeling Brock's going to be motivated because he knows how good AJ Styles is. AJ Styles is never bad. Got an amazing match out of Jinder Mahal. I think this could genuinely be one of the matches of the year in terms of the WWE, independ- you know, depending on what style you like. But I'm very excited about it. I do think Brock Lesnar wins because obviously, no matter what's happening in the world of WWE, the goal is always to get Roman Reigns over. <laughs> and he will be the man that eventually vanquishes Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 34. So you don't have AJ Styles win here, I don't think. Maybe this is where Jinder gets involved. In fact, that's exactly what's going to happen, isn't it? I've just figured it out. Jinder Mahal will get involved here, distract AJ, Brock Lesnar, F5, 1, 2, 3. That will suck. I'd rather have a clean finish, but I get it. You want to protect AJ and you want to... And that just sparks off the Jinder Mahal-AJ Styles feud proper, which Jinder Mahal will eventually win back, I'd imagine. And then you've got Team Raw versus Team SmackDown. Now, obviously, everything we've done there has leveled it up. I believe. I've got that right, right? So Brock is Raw. Uh, the Shield is Raw. So that's two. This is a fun podcast, isn't it? The Bar is three. And then Corbin is one for SmackDown. Charlotte... Yeah, and then it's that's three for three, which I think they're going to do just because then it's got more momentum as you go into the main event. Now, the reason I think Team Raw is going to win is because I think they've planted too many seeds and too many teases that Daniel Bryan, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens are going to do something to screw over Shane McMahon because they're not happy with what he did. I mean, Daniel Bryan on SmackDown said, we need to have a chat about this when all is said and done. And that's going to be a pretty heated chat if he has stuck his oar in and cost SmackDown the match. And you have to think that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are going to do something. I mean, I know they got taken off the European tour because there was some, they went into business for themselves or or whatever. But that aside, let's just presume that's water under the bridge and they are going to be on the show. That's how they have to get involved. And it just sparks off this awesome angle for SmackDown between, you know, feuding Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. I don't know how that works. But Daniel Bryan has been hinting. He did interviews recently where he hinted that there is a chance he starts wrestling for WWE again. So maybe the plan for WrestleMania is Shane McMahon versus Daniel Bryan. Seems like a long shot and it seems nuts, but maybe it is. I'd be all right with that, seeing Daniel Bryan back. I mean, probably the last person you want to put him with. Put a person with uh, concussions issues against the man that just throws real fists. <laughs> which, would be, uh, which would be absolutely insane. But um, look, we'd all love it, right? I think we'd all just be happy that he came back. But that could be what they're doing. So I imagine that's... Um, that's what's going to happen here. They're elimination rules, I presume, as well. Have they announced that? I presume it's a, 
It's nearly, yeah, it's a traditional Survivor Series match. Yeah, so it is elimination rules. The team Raw is obviously Kurt Angle, Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, and Triple H. Finn Balor and Samoa Joe can cancel each other out as they have a fight. Don't know what they do with Braun Strowman. That's tough. He'll probably survive. Obviously, it's Team SmackDown is Shane McMahon, Orton, Bobby Roode, Shinsuke Nakamura, and John Cena. I forgot Cena was on Team SmackDown. So maybe Jinder Mahal gets involved there. Hmm. That is going to be interesting. I presume whatever they do, Jason Jordan's going to stick his oar in. They'll start, they'll continue to build to Triple H versus Kurt Angle for WrestleMania, which I've been convinced they're going to do for ages, which is not any real great insight on my, on my part. A lot of people have thought that. That's a tough match to work out who eliminates who. I mean, I'm not trying to be funny here, but Finn Balor and Samoa Joe will be eliminated, not early on, but easily, because I think WWE thinks are disposable. Same with Bobby Roode, same with Shinsuke Nakamura, if I'm honest. And then Shane McMahon probably gets screwed by Daniel Bryan and those two Owens and Zanes. That's how he gets out. Cena, Triple H, Braun, and Orton are the interesting ones. I don't know, but I'll put my money on Team Raw just because of everything we've said. And then that will be it. WWE will forget there was ever a war between Raw and SmackDown, and we'll just go on to, what is the December pay-per-view? It's a SmackDown one, right? Whatever that is, where we get Jinder versus AJ. And then we get the Raw Rumble, and then it's almost WrestleMania, if you can believe it. Where the hell... Where the hell did that go? But it is a really good card on paper. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, even if I get all of these completely wrong. I think it's going to be one of the best Survivor Series for a while. I hope so anyway. I hope they continue what they've been doing, WWE, and that's taking chances and booking things they know that people are going to enjoy, as opposed to, and I understand the political game is hard to get over, but that's why I, I hope that doesn't get in the way. I hope people don't fall back on... Um, yeah, well, we can't do this because it's going to annoy this guy. Let's let's keep up the fun. Let's keep up the excitement. And let's hopefully come out the other side of Survivor Series. Excited about the end of the year because December is quite a quiet month usually for WWE. And then let's fly into January with the Raw 25th anniversary show, the Raw Rumble. Let's plow through to WrestleMania. It's in New Orleans next year, yeah. And if there's anybody out there moaning about it, I'll be very, very surprised. If you're moaning about it, I just think you're a bit of a moaner, which is fine. You can be a negative Nancy if you want, whatever floats your boat. That's 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 where I fall on the matter. Um, yeah, so Jericho Omega, I just wanted to touch upon. If I did do this a couple of weeks ago, and I forgot and I apologize. But it's one of those things where I checked it when I was out and I saw the poster and I was so I thought it was such a no way it could possibly be happening at Wrestle Kingdom. I thought the poster was a Photoshop, genuinely. So I instantly went on Twitter and social media to find out. And I just think it's I just think it's such a good announcement. Like, I mean, New Japan announced yesterday, I think their financial year is the second most successful in company history, the other one being 97. And even then, they only beat it just. So, I mean, they really do have a lot of momentum. And there's, there's reports that the, the, uh, the lower deck or the lower floor or the floor whatever of the Tokyo Dome is already sold out, which is a lot sooner than usual. It really does feel like New Japan is gaining momentum, which is, I'm flabbergasted that the rumor now is that Vince McMahon signed off Chris Jericho working there. Because I genuinely believe that Chris Jericho is a big enough star that if you've heard of New Japan, this will be the catalyst to, to get you to watch. And it's great for Jericho. I really do think it cements his legacy and makes him feel like a proper, super big deal. But I'm just amazed because I really do think that will help get more eyes on the New Japan product, especially from a Western audience, which is exactly what they want. They're coming back to, to America two weeks before WrestleMania in 2018. I'm sure those shows will do great. Well, that show is one show this time will do great. And that Jericho Omega match is probably going to be awesome. I mean, Jericho's not as... He's just, 
he's older than he was, so he's not as crisp or as good as he once was because, you know, age will whip everybody's ass. But they'll find a way to have an incredible match that gets people talking. Then even more people are going to try and hunt it out. You know, how many people out there went and found the Okada versus Omega matches from last Wrestle Kingdom, or this year's Wrestle Kingdom, just because of the talk and the buzz? And I bet you never even cared about New Japan before. Imagine that, but with a guy that you've seen and loved for the last 25 years, 30 years, whatever it's been. I think it's... It's it's a marvellous step by New Japan. I mean, it all came together because Jericho saw the McGregor versus Mayweather stuff and wanted to do something similar. And obviously, everybody thought it was going to be on the boat. I loved it. Chris Jericho's cruise. Everyone calls it the boat. But that was the point you were meant to think that, hence why they were announcing the Young Bucks and Marty Skrull and whoever else they announced for the boat. But And it would have been fine on the boat, but it's not a boat, right? It doesn't have the same gravitas as New Japan's version of WrestleMania. So I'm amazed that WWE aren't mad at this. I mean, maybe they are. We don't know the truth. But I really do think this could be... I'm not saying it's going to turn it into WWE or it's so big that it's going to knock WWE off its perch. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying as New Japan continues to grow and gets bigger and starts to find its feet again in the, much the way it did in the mid to late 90s or the early 90s, whenever its peak period was, probably even before that, to be honest. My point being is I don't think this is something you'd want to do if you didn't want to make them a bigger nuisance than they already are. I mean, Jericho Omega, to me, is a match that so many fans want to see. I think that most wrestling fans these days know who Kenny Omega is, and to think he's going to go up against a genuine WWE main event, I mean, that's fantasy booking nonsense. And fantasy booking usually works, much like Mayweather versus McGregor, uh, McGregor versus Mayweather. The reason people love that so much is because it was stupid. So what the hell is happening? And this is stupid as well, when you, think, when, you know, actually think about the, uh, the ifs and buts and the whys and the maybes. So I'm genuinely surprised by it. But I can't wait to see it. I'm going to make sure that, you know, that I tune in. And the rest of the card's amazing as well. It's, you know, top to bottom, New Japan is just, it's so stacked and it's so loaded. And I'm, I'm genuinely really happy this is happening. I like dream matches. I like nonsense matches. I think this will be excellent. I can't wait. I can't wait. And talk about overseas shows as well. Uh, WWE also announced that the India shows they had planned, you know, the whole point for making Jinder Mahal, or one of the points for making Jinder Mahal champion, they had two nights booked. Now it's just going to be one. They're doing one super show. And no one knows why. There's rumors that it's ticket sales and... I don't know. I'm not going to speculate because I don't have any insider info. I don't know. But, you know, the, the rumor the rumor is is that they just didn't sell that many tickets. Apparently, the prices are sky high as well. Apparently, some tickets are $500. $500. Madness. But they, they, they're calling it a super show now. You are going to get Triple H versus Jinder Mahal, which kind of suggests that maybe it's not going to be for the WWE title. And AJ Styles does hold on to it. And Kevin Owens is no longer booked on that tour because it was going to be Jinder versus... Um, Jinder versus Kevin Owens. So that's changed. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting... Uh, I, I don't think it's going to make much difference. I don't think it's going to you know, make this India experiment all of a sudden work, but it is... It kind of draws a line under the fact that Jinder hasn't really turned business around to any great degree. The fact they're going to India for two shows. Although it has helped a bit, because at one point there was never a plan to tour India in 2017. So they're still getting one show out of it, and I'm sure it will do very well. And I'm sure the people of India will enjoy seeing the WWE superstars. Right. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Survivor Series 1997 in Montreal, Canada. I imagine a lot of people listening to this weren't even born. Or if you were born, you were really, really young. I, however, was alive. <laughs> I, how old was I? I was in my teens or, or coming into my teens. And I think a lot of people, when they look back on it, in terms of whether they, it's, it's ridiculous to look at in 2017, because again, the, the WWE Championship is worth nothing. 
I don't mean that in a horrible way, but that's the way the company treats it. They gave it to Jinder Mahal, who was a glorified jobber, just because they thought it would be good for business. 20 years ago, that wasn't the case at all. You know, that was the whole point, is that the world title especially was deemed as a as a prized possession that was so important, you could make a guy, you could break a guy, and in a Monday Night War scenario, when you are going against WCW, ensuring that your world title had worth clearly meant everything because Vince McMahon was terrified that Bret Hart may have turned up on WCW with the title. I mean, what would that do today? You get a Reddit thread, and that would be it. Nobody would care. Nobody would care. Nobody sees the titles like that anymore. So that's why I think when a lot of people look at it from a 2017 perspective, especially if you didn't live through that era of wrestling, you kind of do, and everyone's opinion's right, okay, there's no right or wrong here, but I'm just saying I think there is a, a bias to think, that well, of course Vince McMahon did that, why didn't he, this guy, this guy won't play ball, but I do think it was different back then. I'm not saying, I'm not trying about how wrestling was more real, but I think the players involved believed it was more real, and you could argue that's why it was better, or arguably better. Because, you know, the biggest criticism that Bret Hart gets was, you know, quote, it was too big a mark for himself. Yeah, but maybe that's why he was so good. Because he believed in it so much and he believed in himself so much and he wanted to make sure that everything he did came across as real. That's why we all believed. I mean, look at everybody that's been successful. Look at Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan doesn't want to lose. Became one of the biggest, you know, wrestlers ever. Stone Cold Steve Austin, notoriously known for being difficult and not wanting to, to sell his character out and taking everything he did super seriously. One of the biggest wrestlers ever. Shawn Michaels, the other person in this whole predicament, took himself super seriously. So I don't like it when it's just Brett that's painted with this brush. Because I think you can go through, uh, you know, lots and dozens of different wrestlers who have made it and have kind of, you know, got to the top. And the reason they've done so is because they did take it, I'll say too seriously, but, you know, with my argument, it's not too seriously at all. Because the whole reason they did it is because they, they, they did believe. And they did, I mean, and there's problems to that, of course, in refusing to, to do a job in a business that's about winning and losing fake matches is obviously going to be a problem. But I don't think it's fair that only Brett gets tarnished with that brush. If nothing else, think of it like this. Who is, you know, so Brett's a, he's a too big a mark for himself. Okay, well, is he a bigger mark than the owner of the company that's so terrified of his belt showing up on another show because that will end things that he does this? Sounds like a mark to me. I don't think there's a problem with being a mark. I don't know why the term... I mean, we shouldn't even be using the term Mark. That's a whole different conversation. But I don't understand why it's deemed such a, a bad thing to be. What, so you enjoy and love and you're so passionate about pro wrestling, you want to tear down that wall of, of make-believe and make it feel real. I think that sounds great. I think that's what WWE's, all wrestling's missing in 2017. As you can probably tell, I'm on Bret Hart's side with this. But it's different for me too because I'm biased. I grew up as a Bret Hart fan. You know, when I'm a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, whatever I was, and Bret Hart's my man, he's my favorite, and then all this happens and you slowly start to learn the truth and he's on WCW and I didn't want to watch WCW because I'm a WWE fan. You do, you do feel a bit slighted by it because he was my guy and that's always going to be the way. Like he was my childhood hero. I wanted to see him on WWF television. I didn't want to see him on WCW. I wanted to see him be the world champion. And again, you can talk about the, the wider picture, but I'm not looking at that as a 12, 13-year-old. He's my guy. He's my wrestler. And sure, at that time, you know, I was warming up to Stone Cold Steve Austin because he was just so cool. But I hated Shawn Michaels for all of this. I hated him beforehand anyway. His, you know, his cocky attitude, as they say, wound me up the wrong way. But I, I do think it comes down to that. Like, it, It's difficult to separate your, your feelings for a pro wrestler and look at it from, from both sides of the coins without bias because it's just not possible. 
it's like in football, right? It's, it's in football. If somebody dives or some, a team gets a penalty and the other, and you don't believe it's a penalty, most fans, oh, it was a penalty because they're biased. Because they're buying, and it's the same here. So that's why I, I think it's impossible to look at objectively, just because it depends when you were born. It depends who you liked. I mean, you'd really have to be a complete partial observer to, to give a somewhat, you know, proper take on all of this. But then again, that's without all the context. I mean, if you say to someone, okay, look, here's the thing, right? There's a worked sport. It's not real. It's all fake. And that one of the wrestlers is then refusing to, to again, oh, and then someone, you know, you know, someone, uh, what do you call it? Breached a contract. There's too much. There's too much to talk about. Uh, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty about all the specific things because I think you either know about it and you don't want to hear it again. Also, there's a Strewer podcast right now coming into the nitty gritty. I just thought it'd be nicer to to get your guys' feedback, to get the community's feedback, and just give my two cents about the whole thing. I mean, yeah, I've always thought it was a. I always thought there was a better way to do this. I never wanted to see this happen with Bret Hart. Deep down, I never think he'd turn up with the with the title on WCW TV for two reasons. One, again, he think he took himself too seriously to do that. But also, there was a lawsuit going on at the time about all that stuff after Alondra Blaze had dropped the women's title in the trash. So I just don't think WCW would have risked it again because they would have got sued. But anyway, I did do a shout out on the Facebook group, Simon's Pro Wrestling Podcast, to get some feedback. So I'm just going to go through all your points. I haven't read them all. I've just copied and pasted a few that we'll read now and we can react and go through it uh, and just see, see where we get out to, see what kind of impression everybody has on it. The first was from Anthony Cubbins, who just said straight up, good or bad, it changed the wrestling world. And it did. I think that's the most fascinating thing when you look back on it. You know, once it happened, it was doom and gloom for the WWF. Oh, I can't believe they've done this. It's the end. And so on and so forth. But it started the Attitude Era, or at least, you know, gave us a huge, huge catalyst to start all of that. Because Vince McMahon became the biggest heel ever because he was the biggest heel ever. Stone Cold Steve Austin had the perfect foil. Like, you know, it was it was just... it. It's not fair what happened in terms of one man. He did get screwed. I mean, he did get screwed. Regardless of whether you think he deserved to get screwed or not, he did get screwed. And then his life kind of goes down the tubes and the people that did the screwing just went from strength to strength. All of them. Every single person involved, which is incredible, really. When you, when you think about it. But, I mean, that's what happens. It did change the wrestling world, and it absolutely helped with the Attitude Era. I don't think there's any argument to that. Ross Wilson, weird looking back on it because I never got to experience that era live. All of my knowledge is based looking back. I suppose you have to do what is best for the company, although it seems extremely harsh looking back. My knowledge of this is dodgy as it is. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it really, it, it, that's when... Because if you look, again, if you're looking at it through a 2017 wrestling world, it does seem ridiculous. Who cares if you're the champion, Brett? Jinder Mahal's been the champion. You know, David Arquette's been the champion. It's just, it's too much nonsense. But there was less nonsense. I mean, there was nonsense back then, don't get me wrong. But the, the titles were still treated as this really important thing. Hence why when Bret Hart won the title at SummerSlam 97, it was his fifth reign. And that was record time. That was record time. Five times as world champion. It was like, Wow. Now, John Cena's, what, a 16-time champion? Triple H is the 13-time. I think Randy Orton's up to 16. It's not the same. It's not the same. The belt became more of a prop, and I don't mind. It doesn't make a difference to me. I still enjoy wrestling for what it was. But that does change the context, and it does change the situation. David J. Miller. I started watching wrestling just after this happened, but the callbacks to it have diluted it a little for me. The greatest thing that came from it was the Mr. McMahon character. That is true. It's been so run into the ground, and we've seen... Um, you know, parodies of the Montreal Screwjob and people taking the mick out of it, that of course it's watered it down. I mean, it's been done to death. It's been talked about to death. 
which is ironic given I'm talking about it now. But 20 years and all that, we, you know, it gives us a reason to. And everyone does have an opinion on it. And also, I do believe in terms of wrestling, I'm not talking about deaths or tragedies like that, but in terms of wrestling, I think it's the biggest thing that happened in a lot of our wrestling lifetimes. And WCW closing would be up there. Uh, what else? I can't even think of more like that now. But I don't mean the tragedies in wrestling. I mean, things that have actually affected the wrestling business on a, on a not on a business level, because obviously the tragedies do, the way the reputation is affected. But you know what I'm trying to say. And I think this is the biggest thing that has happened in a lot of our wrestling lifetimes. Uh, ben Herkick. I hope I got your name right. I think this showed that the WWE was willing to do anything to win the Monday Night War. It was the unpredictability that made it so shocking. Absolutely. And that goes to show how much they were terrified of WCW continuing to kick their ass at the time. They weren't willing to take any risks. It really was do or die, which again is what made wrestling so compelling back then. There's a lot of shit during the Attitude Era. A lot of shit. Kind Tide trying to chop off Val Venus's penis is the one I'll always go back to. But the competition between the two that was very real and acknowledged by both sides did give it tension and excitement and creativity. And that, that's where it really, really shined. It was almost, in a way, not the stories we were seeing, but knowing, oh, well, what's WCW going to do? And what's WWE going to do? And this all tied into, you know, it's kind of the, the explosion of the internet, or at least the, the, the beginnings of it, where everybody wanted to know everything. And all just and you had cool characters like Stone Cold Steve Austin and the NWO. Like it all, I mean, I think the reason we'll never get that again, at least not in our lifetime, is because it all came together too well. Like you had The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Today, we can't even get one. And then we had two. And you had all the legends and the veterans. Like people knew Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, you know, Kevin Nash and Scott Ord had carved a niche out for themselves. It was just too much going on that we don't have these days. And I, I think it all ties in. Andrew Pollitt, the one thing that I have never understood about this is why didn't WWF just take the physical belt from Brett when he wasn't at WWF events? I know he had the creative freedom clause in his contract, but would that really have stopped them from keeping the physical belt while he wasn't doing shows? Well, that's a great point, right? That was a conversation I, I heard on a podcast the other day. Just take the belt off him. If you're really that worried he's going to leave Montreal at Survivor Series, and just take the belt. Physically take the belt away from him, and then you haven't got a problem. And it's not going to make a difference. Who knows, man? Maybe they did it because they knew what they were doing. Maybe Vince McMahon knew he could use this. You just don't know. I don't think he did. I, I, but there is a lot of, again, ifs and buts. And you're like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Dale Nicole, when we talk about the Montreal Screwjob, we often talk about how much Vince was a prick <laughs> or that Michaels, Hebner, and whoever else that was possibly involved were all terrible, horrible people. And we know that it caused people to walk out on the company. But if we look back at this with hindsight and think of how Brett was simply unwilling to do the job and drop the title and Vince was worried about having another title show up on WCW television, can we really blame Vince and co for doing what they did? Can we really have sympathy with Brett? It's like a promo. My only problem with that is, is that WCW couldn't have done it. They were getting sued at the time for doing it before. So both parties at some level knew they couldn't do it. Now, admittedly, maybe WCW, you could have argued, would have been like, well, we don't care. We'll get sued again. Again, you, you, there is an argument for both. But given that, I think it comes down to the fact for me that Brett had creative control written into his contract. Now, I don't think any wrestler should have that because it's madness. Do you want to lose? No. <laughs> that's always going to be the answer. Of course it is. Um, and that, that's the problem here. But they, they, Vince agreed to it. Vince was the person that signed off on that. So as soon as you do that, Brett's allowed to do whatever the hell it is. He may be being unreasonable, but he's not being, um, he's allowed to do it. 
That's the point. So that's why my sympathy came comes in. It was it's a contract breach. Simple as that. Ryan Scott. I don't know too much about this because when it was it because it was before I started watching wrestling. But when I do come across it, my thoughts were always wouldn't. Why wouldn't he just drop the belt like he was asked? I understand it was for personal reasons for him and Sean, but that seems unprofessional to me. I mean, the real uh, sticking point with that is that Bret Hart had put Shawn Michaels over at WrestleMania 12, and he said he'd do it again. And Shawn Michaels responded by saying, "Well, I'm never gonna. I will never do the same for you. I will never lose to you." Is essentially what he said. So I can understand Bret Hart having a problem with that. Like, put it in your work situation. Imagine you said to someone. Steve, Steve, I'm happy to fill in for that holiday that you need to take. I'll come and work on my holiday. And Steve returned to you and said, thank you very much for that. But fuck you. <laughs> I will never do the same for you. I'd imagine you're going to go, right, fuck you, Steve. You now have to, I'm not swapping my holidays with you. It's the same thing, right? If someone was, had that much animosity and reacted to you in that much way, all of a sudden you're not going to want to do much of a favor for them. And that is what happened. I mean, I don't know that for sure. But there's too many reports and too many stories that say categorically, Bret Hart said he'll always put Shawn Michaels over. Shawn Michaels says, well, I'm not willing to do the same for you. So if that was me, and then my boss says, can you put this guy over? No, because get him to put him over. He's the one that started this. So again, that's, that's where I think we get into uh, difficult territory. John Gordon, the curtain was slowly being pulled back on the business at the time. I like this. He's gone into this. It's going to be exciting. Fans were hungry to see the inner workings of the WWE. Bret Hart was a polarizing figure, and as a young fan, I wanted to see Bret stay with the WWE forever. When I watched Al Hebner commit the act and call for the bell, I knew Bret had just been screwed. This is great, John. You're my hero. Bret's reaction 100% threw the script out the window. Vince McMahon was a commander-in-chief doing what he felt he needed to do to protect his company and his belt. Would Bret have gone on WCW TV with the belt? Never in a million years. Vince was so paranoid that he pulled the trigger on trust and loyalty in one fell swoop. Shawn Michaels at the time was in business for himself and himself only. If a gun was pulled on Bret and he was shot, Shawn would have gone along with it. The result was a new era of unpredictability and anything can happen. It was a shame it took a screw job to achieve the most essential viewing in wrestling history, but it did, and it will never be forgotten. Nothing to add to that, John. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. You've made my day. My man, Adam Pearson. Good dude all round. I have absolutely no problem with what happened. If you are leaving the company, why would they keep you as champion? The fact you are leaving to work for a rival company amplifies the situation. This is what happens when egos collide and common sense is sent home early from the European tour. It's like Mario suddenly going to work for Sony, becoming besties with Nathan Drake and then getting arty because Yoshi and Luigi blocked him on Twitter. Well, that is what happened in 2017. That's exactly what would happen. But I see where you're coming from. Bottom line, to me, it's that creative control clause. That causes way too many problems. Should never have happened. Carl Torres. I wasn't around during this time in wrestling, but with everything I know about it, Brett sounded like a child who wouldn't do what he was told. He was told to do a job and didn't. If he was in any other line of work, he'd have been fired. I very much wanted to see him as a sport... I very much see him as a spoiled child that didn't get what he wanted, and I don't have much respect for him because it doesn't seem like he really grew up much. All you needed there, Carl, was to go, Brett, screw Brett. I have no sympathy for Brett Hart. Again, I'm going to keep going on about it, but I'm just responding to each other's posts with my own opinions. Doesn't mean that I'm right. But it, it, I get it. You know, He was told to do a job, and he didn't. And that, you, know, he, you say in any other line of work, he would have been fired. Yes, but again, he had that line in his contract. Brett, you can turn this stuff down. So technically, he wasn't being unprofessional. 
And WWE agreed to that. That's my point. WWE should never have agreed to that, which is a problem on WWE's end in itself. Uh, Andrew Pollitt, I think for the second time, which is fine. I just want to make sure that I'm... Yeah, I am. You're back. Thank you for coming back, Andrew. I read Sean and Brett's autobiographies back in 2010 and 2011. I felt Brett came across as a whiny so-and-so, and I believed Sean over Brett. However, I know more about the history between them now. And when I read both books again, I leaned more towards Brett than Sean. Don't get me wrong, I like both, but I feel Brett has worked a lot harder to get he is today than Sean. That's a whole different argument. Garth Jackson gets in there. HBK is a dick. <laughs> I guess he is. Andy Smith, I 100% agree with what Vince did. There is no way you can have one of your stars go to the opposition with your championship. Just off the record, we don't know if he's going to do that. I also love it when the lines between storylines and reality are blurred. I think it was a win for everyone involved that WWF keep the belt. Brett looks strong as they had to cheat to beat him, and 20-plus years later, fans are still talking about it. Now, that is a great point, and that all ties into the people that think this was a work and you know Bret Hart was in on it, which I don't believe. I just think his life suffered too much afterwards. And really, the issue here was that WCW didn't capitalize on it. This would have been a win-win for everyone if you know WCW wasn't a mad place run by insane people. And they had brought Brett in to you know, be the biggest thing ever and use this sympathy and use this situation. But they just didn't. That's the issue. I think the Montreal Screwjob could have worked out well for everybody had WCW known what to do with Bret Hart or had a clue. You know, WWE would have gone on to the same success they would have done. And rather than fall off a cliff, which is what happened, started to happen to WCW here before Goldberg got hot, but then eventually did fall off a cliff. You could have done that. But unfortunately, egos got in the way in politics and Hall and Nash and Hogan, who, you know, who didn't want to give up their top spot. Brett should have come in as the top guy, been used that way. All this story, and I would have changed everything, in my opinion. So it could have worked out great for everyone. It really could have done. But that's WCW for you. Francis Reyes, Vince did what's best for wrestling at the time. Brett should have dropped the title or forfeited. Yeah, well, rumor is that he offered to do that and he was told no. Who knows? And we finish this with David Bally. It is amazing that it is 20 years since it happened, but as an 11-year-old at the time, I was just getting back into wrestling. I'd watched Bad Blood the previous month, and all of a sudden at school, I'm hearing people talk about Brett being screwed, and I'm thinking, what the hell are these people on about? I personally have always felt Brett took himself way too serious, we've touched on that, and needed to remove his head from the clouds and could never understand why a man from the Hart family wouldn't do the favors. What this also means are all the greatest moments in wrestling are going to be celebrated more... Wait, what does it mean? What this also means is all the greatest moments in wrestling are going to be celebrated their 20th anniversary over the course of the next three and a half years. And it all culminates in the 20th anniversary of the greatest wrestling of all time on April 21st, 2021. Don't know what that means. <laughs> um, but the 20th anniversary of anything, I think, is, uh, you know, is it even the 20th anniversary? Would next year be the 20th? No, I, no, that's birthday. I get confused. I'm doing that thing that WWE do. I, I, again, I think... I don't like it that they took himself too serious, the argument, because I don't think people take themselves too seriously enough today in pro wrestling. You don't have to, but it'd just be nice if more people did. I think we get better storylines. I think the title wouldn't be hot-shotted around as much as possible. I mean, the best thing about all these comments and all this reaction is that it goes to show, even 20 years on, people still have mixed opinions, and we know everything about this. I mean, if you go read all the Wrestling Observer stuff, you can get as much information as you want. And ultimately, it was just you know, a business that is built on lies with people lying to each other. That's the real issue. Don't forget as well, Vince McMahon, you know, offered Bret Hart that 20-year deal and then said, look, I'm going to renege on your contract. So that caused problems. And 
Brett went back to WCW and he didn't really want to do that. So he probably felt um, screwed over a little bit. So he probably thought, I'm going to dig my heels in here and be difficult. It was just bad all around. It really, it really, really, really was. And it is a huge shame. It's a huge shame that we had to go through all of this. I mean, it was very good for WWE ultimately. Probably planted the seeds for, you know, Bret Hart's life just tumbling off a cliff. But what I always like to do when, when we talk about this is I, I try not to let it define Bret Hart, which it will do. But for me, Bret Hart, you know, will always be the guy that had some of the best matches I've ever seen, such as WrestleMania 13 against Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, one of my favorite heel turns ever when he was, uh, you know, heel in America and a face everywhere else. You know, that work he did in 1997 for me is up there with some of the best. I think his matches are great. You know, his technical, his technical ability was great. I, I'll just always be a fan. I'll always be a fan. And I'm happy sometimes just to, you know, forget all this, forget all the, the ups and downs, quote unquote, and all the nonsense and just focus on the good stuff. And, Brett, you know, he had his moments in WCW as well, like the bit with the Goldberg and, and when he was wearing the plate under his uh, hockey jersey. That's the real issue. I think if WCW had used Bret Hart right, this wouldn't even... It'd be something we talked about, but it wouldn't be the, the be-all and end-all because Bret Hart would have recovered. But I'm not 100% sure he ever did. So we'll revisit this in 10 years, I guess. 2027, we'll come back to it. Let's not think about that because I'm going to be a really old man. That scares the absolute shit out of me. Anyway, I do want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, definitely, if you're watching this on YouTube, definitely leave a comment below and let me know your Survivor Series predictions or tweet me at Simon316 or go tell Mitch on the Pro Wrestling Podcast group on Facebook. Or if you just want to leave a, leave a review on iTunes, five stars, you know, that helps us get up the rankings. You've heard that on all other podcasts. But you can put your Survivor Series predictions in there if you really want. You do whatever works for you. But um, if you have enjoyed this and you'd like to see these continue, please do go to patreon.com forward slash number 316. Like I say, even if you donate a dollar, which is like what, 65p or whatever, it just helps me immensely. You know, um, unfortunately, with life, you need money, which sucks. Imagine you didn't. What a great world we would live in, but we would do. Um, you know, when you go on the YouTube channel as well, make sure you subscribe to that. Check out other videos. I'm also on What Culture, where you can see me ranting and raving about pro wrestling. You can catch my face in a lot of places. But you can always hear my voice on Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. So we are going to aim for next Wednesday. I'm sure something will come up and I'll be an idiot. And, but I'm not going to. No, I'm not going to say that. Positive thinking. We're going to smash next Wednesday. We'll review Survivor Series. We'll review the fallout from Raw or SmackDown. If anything else goes down, anything else big, we'll touch on that too. Maybe we'll talk about my own pro wrestling journey. Because as I record this, tomorrow night is my eight-week progress wrestling exam. Uh, which I pass. I will no longer be a beginner wrestler. I'll be an intermediate wrestler. What a world we will live in. So maybe we'll talk about that. And who knows what's going to happen in the next seven days? Who knows? What's going to happen at Survivor Series? What's going to happen as WWE prepared to go to India? What's going to happen in the WWE at the end of the year? We've got Ring of Honor stuff. Impact. Who knows what else? Thank you very much for listening to me, though. My name was Simon Miller. Hopefully you're going to be back in seven days. But either way, just go out there and have a good time. Have a good time. Put a smile on your face. Live the dream. I'll speak to you soon.